welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Thank you, big boys in the sky. That's right. It is the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons. We got Dennis Dodd, the Dodd father, joining us later. Um, Barton, man, this is uh, this is this is time. We're sitting here Wednesday morning. Um, we are 24 hours from game day. You know, just uh, just a little bit more than until we get Florida International and Central Florida. Getting things rolling. 6 p.m. Eastern time kickoffs. It's going to be a marathon. Are you uh, are you fully strapped in? Do you have your snacks and beverages ready for this uh, this five day blitz of college football? I, I'm so ready. La- last weekend was just it, it was really uh, it didn't satisfy me. You know, it was <laughs> a there was like the games were just like I, I watched. And I've gone back and watched all of BYU Portland State, um, just to give you an idea of just how much I, I wanted football, but it just didn't cut it. And I had to, I had to sort of be half in, half out with family obligations. This weekend, I'm allowed to say, tell the wife, listen, take take Scout, our daughter, you handle her for today. I am zeroed in on football. Uh, and it starts Thursday night with some good matchups, which are exciting. So yes, man, that now I can fully feel like I'm in the pool, shoulder deep. I don't have to dip my toe in. We're 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 all in there. We're all in. And and you know what? By like late October, when they're doing the first college football playoff announcement, we might be treading water. But right now, we're good. <laughs> we're playing pool basketball. That's we're, right. We're in, the, we're in the fun zone right now. Uh, I, I like our Thursday night openers. Now, uh, again, when the next episode, Tom Fernelli will join us, uh, and he will be uh, helping us with the picks for Saturday's slate, Sunday's slate, and Monday night's game for Georgia Tech at Tennessee, uh, just to make sure that our picks don't become instantly outdated uh barton and i will be making the thursday preview uh part of our show here on wednesday mornings so let's uh let's start with the pokes man oklahoma state hosting tulsa philip montgomery bringing in that high high octane offense dane evans is gone so we've got uh, a changing quarterback there but i i still have expectations that uh, what we have seen from that team, both the good and the bad, the good on offense and the bad, and that they're a little bit leaky on defense. I'm keeping the expectations the same. Uh, Oklahoma State has your Heisman Trophy pick, Mason Rudolph. Uh, Barton Simmons stamped them, the best group of wide receivers in the country. Spreads at 18 and a half. How are you, how are you breaking this one down? Um, I, I, I kind of like this game as uh, picking the dog. I mean, not to win. Uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma sure. State wins the game, but I like Tulsa covering this this spread. I, I just think this is a game Tulsa is going to feel comfortable playing in. I think that they've got uh, they've got firepower. They've got offense. I mean, Philip Montgomery is is one of those coaches that you can just plug and play. It doesn't really matter the personnel. Uh, he's going to get points out of it and and I think that they're going to be and, and again I I've said before one of my concerns about Oklahoma State it doesn't they don't scare me on defense uh and and I think that Tulsa is going to be able to put up points uh I wouldn't I would there's no way I would sniff the under in this game I don't <laughs> yeah. you know anytime you're playing an over at 70 and a half or, or whatever it is you know that's a that's a that's a ballsy play but I I ain't taking the under um I, I like Tulsa. I think Tulsa is going to uh, is going to cover the spread. I, I like it. You know, this is sort of a I could see like a forty-two, you know, thirty-one type of game uh, where where Oklahoma State takes care of business, but uh, but but Tulsa keeps it within the number. And you know what's really funny? You mentioned that over under is that because both these teams can score so quickly, there is no amount of time where if you've got the under because it. 
It has been trending a little bit, just a few points, but just a few points in the direction of the under. Like you said, it's right there around like 70, 70 and a half right now. But man, like if you're sitting, if you're sitting right there comfortable, you're not, you should be sweating until the clock hits zeros because any one of these teams could have like a two play 70 yard drive that only takes like 17 seconds off the clock. Well, and you know this game isn't going to be a, a a twenty-four to to ten game. No, that's just not that's just not in the cards. So, all right. So, how's it going to play out? Maybe Oklahoma State covers, and they're you know they're sitting pretty at like thirty-eight to fourteen or something like that. And and then you get to that fourth quarter danger zone, and and Tulsa, like you said, puts together a couple four play drives, and uh, you know, and all of a sudden you're looking at uh, 35 or 38 28 and and you, you know now it's getting dangerous on you so yeah it that, that's this is one where it's you know i could absolutely see like a backdoor tulsa cover a backdoor over cover um i just i would feel i'd feel very nervous picking against tulsa who can score in bunches and would would make things dangerous for you even when you feel like things are, 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 are in hand late in the game. All right, all right. So that'll be going on at the same time. So we'll have our double screens going on. But Ohio State. Are oh, you? Oh, 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 are you on the record? What? Are you? Are you? Are you on Tulsa as well? Oh, like, where yeah, are you at? The, absolutely at on Tulsa. Like okay, you, you, right. you will quickly learn. Uh, thir- <laughs> Thursday night double digit dogs. Like you're gonna really have to convince me otherwise, especially when it's a team that could put together just. Uh, a panic cover like because that's like my uh my sort of emotional state when I tap into my brain of like what Thursday night and Friday night games are is just like the hands on your head like oh my gosh ah! just like watching a wide receiver run uncovered 70 yards down the field like no nah. well and and you double down on that in anytime I've got a Thursday night or really a weeknight, but but especially Thursday nights. Forget about dog. I'm talking home dog. Then I'm just I'm throwing the house at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you give me a you give me a weeknight home dog, and uh, and and I'll it's going to be hard for me to lay off it. It's uh, the the actual mental image is uh, is an unnamed Cincinnati wide receiver just sprinting down the field <laughs> untouched, just That's like right. oh my god. Um, all right. Going on at the same time, we're going to have Ohio State at Indiana. Um, the The wrinkles to this are fun, right? Yeah. Because Ohio State, your national championship pick, um, you know, debut under Kevin Wilson, who BTW uh, was Indiana's head coach. Then Indiana kept most of the staff in place, promoting Tom Allen. Kevin Wilson's going to be in Bloomington for this one. Uh, like I there's the the spreads 20 and a half 21 we yeah. uh we I feel like I feel like the intrigue here might be higher than the prediction of the straight up outcome and of course the the against the spread pick is fascinating uh how do you how are you what are you looking for here well I'm gonna start out up front and say I will pick this game because we're talking about it but like if you're asking for my five picks of the weekend, this is a stay away game for mm. me. I, I don't I don't have a great feel for this one because I I think Indiana is a good team. There, I mean, Richard Lego at quarterback is a good quarterback. He'll be improved this year. They're also a little bit of an anonymous team. Like T. Gray Scales, I love him. They've got some good big defensive backs, uh, but I, I don't know exactly how they're going to keep this within the number. But I. I feel like that there's, especially a home game, that that atmosphere should be should be pretty rowdy. Um, you know, there, you know, that is a situation where I could I I I could see them figuring out a way to keep it in, you know inside 21. But look, I I think this is the most talented team in college football in Ohio State. Um, you know, Kevin Wilson certainly ha- should have a pretty good feel for what Indiana has from a personnel standpoint. Um, you know that offensive line or that defensive line for Ohio State is is going to get unleashed on Thursday night. Oh my goodness! And, and they are going to be the best defensive line uh, collectively in the country. Um, I think Indiana's offensive line is pretty good. Coy Cronk is a true sophomore who I think is really good, a future NFL player, left tackle. Um, 
So I think all those to say, I, I picked in our CBS Sports picks um, table that they're, that are going to be out this week, I picked Ohio State. But I don't feel great about that pick. Uh, I don't love that 80% of the public is on that side. No. Uh, uh, you know, and, and I just said how excited I am about home underdogs So on a Thursday night. So you know, I, I picked it, but I'm already having some buyer's remorse. Um, not a strong recommendation here, but uh, you know, hard for me to lay off Ohio State. Talk to you know, point me in a direction here because I'm pretty clearly pretty torn. Oh no, this I, I picked Ohio State too. Uh, I, the fact that we got to pick it at twenty and a half, uh, you know, we, I got to punch my ticket there before it started to drift uh, above the key number. Uh, I I like that. Um, I think that you've got two ways that this breaks because when I when I picked it, I was thinking about the Kevin Wilson revenge factor, right? Like, yeah. I mean, and I don't want to make light of player mistreatment allegations, but when you feel like you've been wronged by a former employer, doesn't it seem like you would have extra motivation to to show up with your new toys and stunt a little bit? Heck yeah. Right? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Right, so on the other side of this, what if Urban wants to what if Urban knows that he'll be able to get out of here with like a 14-17 point win, keeping it pretty bland with an eye on that Oklahoma game, with an eye on what's coming up later in the season because man, there's there's some times with this Ohio State team where in over the last couple years, uh, and I don't know, like I'd, I'd like to get the, you know your input here, but I can't tell if they're if they've played conservative uh, because they don't trust the quarterback play or because they are uh, untrusting of the personnel or if they just know that they've had such a good defense that they've been able to win these games, like I. I get the sense from this Ohio State offense, at some, and again, this is all pre-Kevin Wilson, but I've gotten the sense at times that it, it's it been a little bland considering the talent level, right? So let's go back to Ohio State last year. Um, they killed Bowling Green. Who cares? That was, a, that, was a, that was a nothing game. Tulsa, you look at the scoreboard, uh, the final score was 48-3, to but that game was weird. Like, Tulsa – actually did a pretty good job against Ohio State off uh, defensively. Um, it was a really cl- like it was about to be tied or seven to three or three to three something coming into halftime and then a monsoon broke out. Ohio State had two defensive touchdowns right before the half and uh, and you know that that was sort of all she wrote. Um, and then you know Rutgers is a nobody. Indiana was sort of where the, the chinks in the armor began to show a little bit unless you kind of zeroed in on that Tulsa game. Uh, it was a 21 point victory, but as I remembered, it was kind of it was ugly. tight. It was tight for a while. Yeah, 38-17 was the final, so right at 21 points, and it just wasn't a pretty win. Then they barely beat Wisconsin. Then they lost to Penn State. So now we're rolling, and they barely, you know, barely beat Northwestern. So now all of a sudden, they've shown that they've, they've they're not a perfect team. Um, this feels like the type of game they would just mess around and win. Just sort of just you know get out of there with an ugly Thursday night win on the road. Um, I'm already talking myself out of. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like Urban's like, well, we're really glad to get out of here healthy. There's a lot of things that we saw that we liked. There's a lot to work on. Like you said, I'm glad we got it at 20 and a half. Um, I would almost be inclined if with the number at 21 to buy it up to 21 and a half and take, uh, and take Indiana. Um, you know, but uh, it, this is, so I think that's my that's sort of my my on the record recommendation is buy it up to twenty one and a half, take uh, take Indiana uh, because I just think this is this is sort of tricky. Uh, but we're gonna find I I think this game tells us a lot about Ohio State because yeah. if they are a national title team, then they shouldn't they shouldn't have to get warmed up this year. They should be able to come out with with J T Barrett at quarterback and they should be able to take care of business against a team like Indiana, which is a quality team but very middle of the road in the power five. And if they do that, I'm going to feel great about my national title pick. If they mess around and win by, by, you know, 13, then I think we got a sort of the same old problem we've had with Ohio state. Oh, but give me JK Dobbins, like a 60 yard touchdown run. Just, just one, right? It's going to be, look, the reason Alabama killed teams last year is because that defensive line forced turnovers and then they return them for touchdowns. And clearly Ohio state has, has drilled, 
turn a defense into offense with the way they did that last year so often. I I think that if to me if this is a if I say covers, then it's going to be you know that because Richard Lego is he's got a big arm he'll throw it downfield but he's he's also you know has turned the ball over a little bit so I think that's what it's going to be about is does that defense force turnovers and uh, yeah you, you'll get a big player too um, I think this is more of a big play offense than they had last year. Uh, so it'll it'll be yeah it, it's going to be I mean the, the points will be there um, I don't know I'm 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 interested Washington cross country playing at a Rutgers team that is gonna uh you know a Rutgers team is gonna struggle at times and and they're probably gonna struggle in this game the odds maker set it at thirty and a half I ah oh, goodness gracious. The numbers moving towards Rutgers, interestingly enough, and mm. it, it's, it, I, I've found it's recently down to twenty-seven. Oh man, my Washington plus thirty and a half pick then. Uh oh, <laughs> yikes! I, I don't know, man. I kind of, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling very uneasy about this game. This is, uh, but and you've got Noah Zim Victor in this game. True. Yeah. I don't, this is a Friday night game, by the way. Um, High Point Solution Stadium might be rocking, might not. We'll see. This will be a good test of where the Rutgers fan confidence is in the Chris Ash era here in year two. Yeah. Are, are you are you going to change your Washington pick? Darst does let us change them from time to time if you get it oh, in before he? kickoff. Yeah. I'm not. I, I I am sticking with my Washington cover here. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not ready to bet on Rutgers. I mean, give me a break. You serious? I'm, <laughs> I mean, look, they they may cover. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not gonna just go out first week blind and bet on the team that just wasn't competitive at all last year. Uh, I I I think Washington. They they they're gonna. They're, I think they're still gonna be really good on offense. Uh, Rutgers, it, you know, is playing a lot of young guys. I think Rutgers will be improved this year, but I don't know why I should feel – I'm a little offended that Vegas is making me feel self-conscious about my Washington cover pick. I just I – don't, I don't think Rutgers will have a single 80-yard touchdown drive. You know? No. Like, like there's just – there is no confidence uh, regardless of Azeem Victor's status. Just against Washington's defense, I don't think Kyle Bolin is going to be able to lead this group from the 20 – in like 10 plays down the field to score a touchdown. And if I don't believe that, then I, I think that I've got to stick with Washington. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Washington and feel okay about this one. I'm not going to – look, the, the Indiana-Ohio State one has got me conflicted. This one, look, if Rutgers covers even 27, then, then that's you know credit to Rutgers. They've, they're improved and good work. But I know this is a cross-country trip. But I think Chris Peterson is the type of coach that has his team mentally ready for it. And, uh, you know, if, if, if this was coming, you know, this cross-country trip was coming the week after USC or something, maybe a letdown opportunity. But this is opening week. Washington will be ready. I, I like the Huskies. Let me give you a score, 42-7. to 7. That sounds very reasonable. Yeah, and that's 35 points. That's a Huskies cover. Um, yeah. Less confident in the Wisconsin Badgers – at home against Utah State. This uh I'm going Utah State to cover 29 and a half where we picked it at. And uh and some of this is looking at the injury issues um and you know some of the changeover at the skill position, some of the depth concerns. Like this I can't help but think that uh Paul Christ would love to make this a game with not a whole lot of possessions. Yeah, get out of this one healthy, um, especially given that they've had some injuries here preseason that have mattered. Uh, I, I like I like Utah State here. I just you know anytime you're looking at Wash at Wisconsin, you know covering uh, 28, 29 points, I think that that's that's a tall ask. But I mean I know they 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 put up some big numbers late in the season last year as things got clicking. Um, you know they do have a quarterback returning. They've got a lot of good skill players. I, I, you know, particularly for for Wisconsin standards. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 okay with calling this a Utah 
keep it within 24 type of uh, type of matchup. All Utah right. State, though. Well, uh, well, that's our Thursday Friday picks. You can again get them on CBSSports.com under expert picks. You can find mine, Barton's, and our guest coming up just on the other side of the break. First, we got to pay some bills, and uh, then we'll be bringing on the Dodfather. Opening weekend, college football. Uh, you might be trying to get some tickets. Maybe you're already looking ahead to a busy second or third weekend. Buying tickets to college football games, sports in general, concerts, it can be complicated. But there's a better and simpler way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. They've got a seamless mobile experience. You can buy and sell tickets with just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. The SeatGeek saves you time and money because it searches multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And because SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value, you can get the most bang for your buck and help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, since each purchase is fully guaranteed, you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So right now, the 24-7 Sports Podcast listeners can get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SEC today. That's promo code SEC for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. The magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined $20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make $13 million more than the entire Mac. If you hear that music, if you hear that sound, if you feel... Like, uh, like it's it's time to, to accept an offer. It's because the Doddfather's here. <laughs> Dennis Dodd, the Doddfather, joins the twenty four seven sports CB, the twenty four seven sports podcast again. Uh, CBS Sports senior college football columnist Dennis. Man, you are going to be in the spaceship in Atlanta for the greatest opener of all time. Are you going to sign your program? Are you going to, what are you going to do to document this historic college football moment? Well, I'm going to get there early and try to walk around and try to get, uh, you know, what the good sight lines are. See if everything's open. Look at the, look at the ocular eye. In fact, I don't know if the ocular eye is going to be functioning. I think it's going to be closed. But and see if Jerry Jones is anywhere in the hallway being jealous because <laughs> it's it's now a competition, guys, between Atlanta, Jerry World, and whatever L.A. builds out there for those NFL teams. So there's an arms race in the pros too. How about that? Oh man, are you Dennis, are- with an event like this, Dennis? You're one of the uh, true veterans in this in this game. Here. <laughs> That's one way and, to put. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, when you go to a major event like this, like what is your uh, what's like your approach? Like what do you what's your what do you do? Do you go down there? Like are you are you connecting with coaches on the sideline? Are you are you down? Like are, what, what's what's sort of your um, protocol or or checklist that you do at some events like this well like i said i like to get there early uh i like to work the press box because everybody but the coaches are there administrators media um when gary stoken will be very proud he's uh the head of the chick-fil-a chick-fil-a bowl and group and peach bowl uh that's going to run this and yeah we're we're allowed on the field um we're allowed on the field uh, pretty much before the game. Obviously, not during the game, but um, and and see people I know because um, you'll see people you know from both sides down there, and and, and just get a feel. I, I think you get a vibe for the game when you're down on the field. I, I always try to go down there before the game. Yeah, get yeah. to see the monstrous Bo Scarborough emerge from the locker room for warmups, even in a t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> looking like the Predator. Goodness gracious. The, the monstrous Bo Scarborough and the not so monstrous Cam Akers, I guess. I don't know. They <laughs> they absolutely. But how about that? Just one storyline. Just the the incredibly deep backfields, the running backs for both of these teams. I mean, maybe the two best uh, overall in the country. Um, just that alone. I mean, who who how are they going to divide the carries up? 
Nick Saban's proven that he can. You know, he's done this a few times before. And Jimbo Fisher, you know, has. It's amazing. That's almost a story how they keep getting guys to go there who know, you know, they've got a chance of not being the man, but they're going to be trained up and ready for the NFL if they're good enough. Well, you know, what's funny is is both teams have the clear one and two running back prospects in the country from last yeah. year's recruiting class and Cam Akers and Najee Harris for Alabama. And and those two guys may get 10 to 12 carries at most tomorrow yeah. or on Saturday just because of all the other the backs they got to get the ball to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty ridiculous. Think about that. I think the only time that, that Nick Saban has really – gone to the well on that sort of thing is is with Derrick Henry. I know there have been others. Derrick Henry, what, carried the ball 90 times in two games towards the end of that season. I think that 15 season, but you're right. I mean, how do you I, – I, I really do. I think that – I know that's how Nick Saban sells it on. You know, if you're going to be in a pro atmosphere, getting pro reps, uh, being seen by NFL scouts every day, if you don't, if you're not the man, if you don't get the carries that you may not particularly want, you're going to have low mileage going into the NFL, and and that's what he sells them on. It's a, it's amazing that that uh, that running backs keep coming there, knowing it's going to be a competition. That's what he sells. Now Dennis has his annual 25 things to watch up on CBS Sports. Com right now 17 teams that can win the national title uh, a look at the relaunch of uf uab with a conversation with bill clark and uh but before we get to that uh i just since we just spent some time talking alabama florida state what's your game pick on alabama, uh, florida, alabama florida state yeah i i picked florida state i know that's probably un-american at this point <laughs> but uh <laughs> i've got florida state number one going into the season. I just think it's their time. And, you know, each, each coach has the entire off season to prepare for each other. So it's going to be, there's going to be at the top of their game. You know, it amazes me that Jimbo Fisher is now the, uh, is now the lead, the, the all time winningest coach in Florida state history by winning percentage. Now, obviously, the sample size is much smaller than Bobby Bowden, but I, I don't know if he's peaked yet. He's won a national championship. He's you know he's won multiple ACC titles there, and and I think this team is peaking with DeAndre Francois in a second season. We talked about the running backs. Maybe the if you want to talk about uh, defensive backfields, maybe the two best defensive backfields. So I in in that game. So I I'm going to pick Florida State. The other side of that is. As I've written and many others have spoken, it may not matter. You know, the loser can obviously easily win the rest of its games and get back to the playoff. What about um, the that leads us very well into one of the your things to watch talking points that uh, that I wanted to break out here. Uh, you talk about the chalk in the championship era. Do you think that given the way the college football playoff sets up, we are going to see uh, any kind of team from outside of the big boys club is anyone actually going to be able to crash the party and win a national championship in the college football playoff era i don't because i just i just i've already said this you know throw a blanket over the top 10 the four playoff teams are probably in it because only only 20 teams in the bcs era have even played for it since 1998 and only 12 have won it I mean, you know the the usual suspects. Um, no, I don't. When you start getting down outside the top ten, okay, you know teams at dark horses. Wisconsin, no, I don't think so. They 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 they've actually played in four of the six uh, Big Ten championship games, but I can't see them beating the East winner, and it's probably going to be Ohio State. Uh, you know, you're talking about an Oklahoma State, a Kansas State. Uh, maybe a Louisville. Maybe Louisville's the the one out of that group that most looks like it could get in the top four. But boy, weren't they uh, weren't they better last year? I, you know, logic would dictate that Lamar Jackson's not going to surprise everyone and run roughshod over over college football. And oh, by the way, only thirteen teams have a longer losing streak than Louisville right now. Um, three going, you know, concluding last season. So. 
No, it's it's hard for me to to look beyond that top ten. Right. So I was thinking that because the playoff era requires you not only to get to one game, but then win two games against the best teams in the country. That's why, like, well, there will be room for a Washington, and we will have teams that will make. Uh, runs into the playoff and you could I could see a season where Louisville gets it together I don't think it'll be this season but I could see a season where Louisville gets it together but just the the way that the the haves and have nots not only within power five group of five but even within the power five conferences between the best programs in college football like it's almost uh the the college football playoff doesn't create more parity in my mind it just only further cements that the championships uh, yeah. are going to be won by the same teams. Yeah, and I, I looked it up on the uh, on the AP preseason top ten. Uh, those ten teams have won nine of the last fourteen championships, and I'm going back to USC winning in 03 and 04 Starting then, uh, so that's a pretty good place to start. When an outlier becomes a Washington, which I don't think is an outlier, I think. I think they're an annual top 10 team now under Chris Peterson when, you know, a Penn State, even though it won the conference last year, and you could make a good argument that they should be in it is somewhat of an outlier. It's it's really a closed shop, guys, right now. At least that's my opinion. Well, one of the most, I, I think, amazing stats out there right now is, and, and I believe this is right, is only yeah. four active head coaches have won a national title. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean, this uh, just sort of blows my mind to think about. And in some ways, it's almost like, to me, Alabama has raised the bar so high that there's there's always Alabama there, and you got to be built to beat Alabama. So there's never this sort of like parody where it's just a bunch of good teams that are trying to tr- trying to sort of scrape and claw to the top. It's just this Alabama monster, and then who's got, who's cycling up enough to beat them? And right now, to me. And I know you like Florida State. It sounds like Dennis, but it seems mm-hmm. uh, you know. I think Ohio State is one of the few that's built with the talent to line up with Alabama. So I, I guess from that angle, it, you know, who are who are the teams that you think? I know you had seventeen. Um, yeah, who you said are national title yeah. contenders, but who who are the realistic candidates here that can actually get this thing done? Well, I think the top four that at least I have: uh, Ohio State, Alabama. Uh, USC and Florida State. Uh, that's your playoff. That, that's your playoff pick. That those, those and yeah, that those are my playoff picks. Um, which a lot of that's you know a lot of people have those. You know USC USC's toughest game may be in the Pac-12 championship game because they don't play Washington until then. If they even play them then, so that could be a do or die game. Uh, Washington could be in there. If one of those big 12 teams gets hot, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, they could be in there. I, I just have, you know, Penn State has to go to Ohio State in the East, so it's hard to see them winning the East. It's just all these factors, and it's really hard to look, really hard for me to look beyond those those top four. Um, unless there's unless there's some sort of upset in uh, in the championship games. You know, I guess, uh, you know, the thing about the SEC, you can say there is a second best team in the league this year. Last year was a 13-way tie for number two. Uh, <laughs> Auburn is clearly the second best team. How that even shakes out, we don't know. Uh, they could be there, but and we don't know what, what boost or not the Big 12 champion will get. But I just really have a hard time getting beyond those four. Dennis, one thing that really jumped out from your column, it was sort of hidden in towards the, the middle or bottom of the column, was your predictions of the sanctions for North Carolina and Ole Miss. Uh, and the Ole Miss prediction would be pretty brutal. Yeah. And, I don't, and I think it's – and, and from what I'm, I've heard just from sort of people in, on the periphery of the Ole Miss program, it sounds – like reasonable, um, but talk about what you think the the hammer could look like for Ole Miss when when this thing finally gets settled. Yeah, I think it's going to be bad. Just reading, everyone out there needs to read that NCA response, the NCA enforcement staff response to Ole Miss before the hearing um, 
earlier in August. In August, it was 117 pages, and it's pretty damning. They they basically reject uh, every Ole Miss um, contention that there is. Uh, you know, I, I come back. There were three words in there that I want to make T-shirts out of: uh, significant compliance deficiency. I just want that T-shirt made up. <laughs> that 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 sums up the whole thing. Now, if you you know. They they keep making this case that oh no, Coach Freeze, you know, constantly checking out. Well, the NCA found otherwise, or at least the enforcement staff found otherwise. So, um, I, I think it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be significant, and um, you know, not not notwithstanding the Leo Lewis uh, limited immunity, the player at Mississippi State, uh, I, I you know I don't think they necessarily needed him to get some of this stuff. They needed him to corroborate some of it, but he, he alone is not the reason they're going to get hammered. And just for, to reiterate, I, I guess predicted is the word, uh, a one year additional bowl ban. Uh, so going into 2018 for Ole Miss, a loss of 25 scholarships over three seasons, the usual recruiting restrictions, probably off campus stuff, uh, a multi-million dollar fine, which seems to be a go-to for the NCAA these days. Vacating wins, I think that's obvious. Uh, multiple boosters disassociated, which I think has already begun to happen. Uh, a show cause order for Hugh Freeze, you know, depending which will you know affect him when and if he wants to get back into the game. And then I, I think the the magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply to North Carolina as well. Existing players will be allowed to transfer without penalty since since there's that two year bowl ban, and that really cuts to the heart. That really hurts. That's the thing. That that's what hurt Penn State, um, among others. Um, I think that's that really. Sh- if they want to, you know, uh, teach Ole Miss a lesson, that's the one that hurts the most. Yeah, that, I mean, all, all the all the other stuff is is bad, but it's yeah. it's almost like it's just sort of white noise until you get to that last sentence where existing players are allowed to transfer without penalty, because right. that is where it just guts the program. And I've even talked to some. A parent uh, of an Ole Miss player, that, and they they think that too that they'll that they'll be allowed to transfer at some point, and I, I think it's going to be a mass exodus. Uh, I don't know that they're going to have quite the the show of show yeah. of solidarity we saw at Penn State. Um, so man, well, that, think, that, think about this. Um, think about this, Barton. When you know Shea Patterson made this you know grandiose statement on Twitter that he was coming back, I think he's out of here if there's another bowl ban. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, and that's why that that penalty will be applied for guys like him. Why should he be made to sit around uh, if he wants to transfer when there's a two-year bowl ban? That's not fair to those players, especially when the crux of of Ole Miss's uh, mistruths or whatever you want to call them was basically them lying to these prospects, telling them what yeah. the what, what the penalties were going to be versus what they actually were. So, uh, yeah, I think it's only fair. I, frankly well institutional control extra benefits if if you sit down and count up their cash that changed hands uh about twenty thousand dollars total in in cash and benefits the rebel rags and whatever food and and hotels and everything else about twenty thousand dollars in benefits which is which is not insignificant um I'll, i'll raise something else that as long as we're on this topic i'm sure you saw the story um, on another website detailing Leo Lewis's testimony where his mother told the NCAA that, that he was offered, they were offered $650,000 by LSU. Yeah. Forget, forget the player, forget the school. <laughs> it's the number that floored me. I called the author. He said it wasn't a typo. I called around, uh, and people said, no, that's absolutely possible. And here's how it works. That is what stood out to me, and that's that. That has nothing to do with Ole Miss. It came through in testimony to the NCAA. Can either of you guys believe or just react to that number that that is actually done and possible these days? I, I was laughing. Like to me, that sounded like uh, you know someone at LSU was saying, "Oh, who they're they're offering what twenty eighty thousand? Look here, yeah. take a million. <laughs> yeah. here's, 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 here's two billion dollars. You could have this, yeah. and we'll see what happens." Well, yeah. when it was Cecil, when it was Cecil Newton in the hotel room, the story was 180, right? Right, that's yeah, right. Yeah. That's so right. when I saw that number, I was like, "Man, inflation sure has been something, huh?" Well, uh-huh. and it, 
if you recall, uh, and I was reminded of this, do you remember the book The System? Oh, yeah. A couple of years ago by Absolutely. Armin Katayan and Yeah. There's a passage in there about the recruitment of Rick P. Seals Jones at, um, at A&M. The, he's a tight end. Was he a tight end? He's a wide receiver. Anyway, wide receiver. Looks like a tight end. Uh, and his dad, on the record, said he was offered $300,000 by other schools. And, that, that, and then when, when asked about it by the authors, he said, actually, that's way low. We got offers bigger than that, way bigger than that. So I would urge people to go back and look at that for proof that this is not only possible, but it's it's going on right now. Yeah, when well, I Albert- see twenty thousand dollars in the like NCAA reports, I I mean I'm unimpressed because I, I, I because right. I'm sure that like like you said that we have the documentation and the you know wink wink nudge nudge sort yeah. of understanding that it's it's actually more like in the six figures that's getting transferred around including money that's invested by players who don't even go to the school that's investing right, right. yeah i mean that's what you have so yeah I, I, the the uh, reaction i immediately got on twitter is for that amount of money why didn't he go there and i go i can't answer that question i mean if if like you said chip if we're to believe that's all he got or that all, all he was offered from Mississippi or Mississippi State, then you know, we shall see. Um, uh, in your twenty-five things, uh, you brought up something that seems very timely. Brian Kelly's talking a lot, isn't he? He's going, yeah, he, yeah, he's going. Yapping, I would say, yeah, Yapping. yeah, he's going first person uh, at Yahoo. He's going talking to Matt Hayes. He's uh. He is talking a whole lot going into this season, and Dennis, I, you know, we hadn't gotten a chance uh, to discuss Notre Dame in in too much detail, but I thought that you'd be really good, particularly with uh, the hot seat rankings, particularly with uh, just sort of weighing in on, on the state yeah. of South Bend. Like this, this is a very interesting spot for Brian Kelly to be. Uh, like, is what well, one theory? He is distracting from the conversation of his team and welcoming all the intention on himself as some kind of public relations ploy. Yeah, I don't I, I don't um I, I don't look at it that way. I think I look at it as a guy who is one irritated by the administration. He was as we saw in that Bleacher Report piece, he was made to fundraise in the middle of the season. It, you know, it's not just me who believes that Notre Dame, in, in its holster of celebrities and fundraisers, has people 10 to 20 times more famous and powerful than Brian Kelly, frankly. And more likable, uh, too. To, to fundraise and more likable. I understand he's the football coach, but come on. Um, he he uh, was indignant at the uh, you know vote of confidence he got from A.D. Jack Swarbrick last year. And, yeah, I, he looks to me like a guy that, like, this is the last year. If it all falls apart, I can go to the NFL, which I'm not sure of, frankly, at this point, coming off a four and eight season, or just go back and uh, and c- coming off what he did at Notre Dame, he did go to a champion, you know, take them to a BCS championship, get a fine Power Five job somewhere, you know. In, in other words, he's had it at Notre Dame with the academic restrictions, with the pressure, with everything else. That's what it looks like to me, and everybody think, well. You know, I don't know if they go. You know what? What you know? What's the magic number for him? Forget Kevin Sumlin. What's the magic number for him? If it, if he goes eight and four and gets run out of town by USC, is that good enough? I, I don't know. I yeah. You know, I, I can't predict what Notre Dame's going to do. Is this a Notre Dame? Is this a Brian Kelly issue or a Notre Dame issue? Like, do you are, have we seen the end of Notre Dame's? dominance is it just too hard to recruit in this landscape at notre dame yes is, is you know what where, where are you at with your, your your stock market index on notre dame yeah that's a great question and i i think it's both i think it's a notre dame thing for expectations and i think notre dame has been systematically uh, over the years been separated from the advantage they enjoyed as you know the hallmark independent i i think i talked to you about it barton just in terms of recruiting it you know brian you said brian kelly is is not recruiting at a level with some of these top guys i think it shows it began as far as what i just said it began in about 2006 where their automatic access 
to the BCS was limited. They went from, I think, a top eight, top 10 to a top eight. Now, it's they, there's no difference between them and BYU. It's top four or bust. Now, is, is Notre Dame going to be given the benefit of the doubt, maybe, by the committee? Absolutely. But they... But, do not forget, they had to join the ACC, uh, get half pregnant with the ACC in football to have <laughs> access to major bowls. That's why they did that. You know, they've got this t- two times over 12 years thing with the Orange Bowl and access to every uh, potentially every other ACC bowl. Without that, they would have had zero bowl tie-ins. Notre Dame, zero. That's where they are. why they are today. And I, I think what you just said in the beginning is true. Dang. So you 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 also like one one thing that you've got a pretty good finger on the pulse of or grip on is you, you mentioned in the the twenty fifth point in your your, your yeah. twenty five things to watch is the separation anxiety between the haves and have nots. Um, talk about where you think that's going because that, that like this is something that you know as I'm just watching college football on Saturdays, um, I don't really think about much. But but you know you bring up good points and. <laughs> It, it's it's getting tougher and tougher for the group of fives and the mid-major types to keep up. I, I just wonder where the trajectory you see this, you know, ending at, and, and yeah. what's the future of this sort of the the power five group of five uh, ch- uh, chasm. Yeah, this is a kind of a pet project with me. I almost think this is a book if it's done right, because just just the the desperation for these schools to remain an FBS, to remain relevant, to, re- to have that brand, that NCAA brand on their schools, which is so important to presidents, to alumni, to fundraising, to attracting top professors, to the point that, you know, you've got, I, I don't have to name the schools, but you have some schools at the bottom of the rung in FBS, they, they are playing football just to play football. You know, they're playing guarantee games just to pay the bills. And it, just so they can keep playing football, you know, if, if they if they, you know, go six and six and go to a bowl. Great. If not, you know, that's OK, too, because we want that brand. But it's never been wider because of all the money in the system. And I don't have to tell you about seven point two billion in uh, in uh, in the in the playoff, uh, the contract with uh, with ESPN and in the, in the college football playoff. Eighty five percent of it goes to the power five. Um and you've seen most of that money now just be recycled directly into facilities and salaries and, and amenities, you know, $10,000 lockers at, at Texas. Um, you know, Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined $20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make $13 million more than the entire MAC. those coaches. Uh, so it's, it's stuff like that, and it's going to get wider and, uh, with, with the caveat that I don't think the power five can stop playing these teams. So, because they need them in some small way to, for Vanderbilt to get to a bowl game for Alabama to catch a blow before the Auburn game, for example. Um, I I don't know where it ends. I I think, you know, there were some rumblings about a group of five playoff that might make some more money, but I think the presidents are against that at those schools because then that just creates a de facto division four. You know what I mean? Yeah. That just that is separation for them. So I, I don't know where it ends up. So with with this though, like is the 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 haves and the have nots, are we talking about with the group of five teams, like when as this gap gets bigger, is it just about facilities and budget or is it about like actually sustaining football programs? Because ultimately, you know, when you get down to it there's still X number of football players out there that are quality players. And you're still going to get some of these guys yeah. that just are forced to trickle down to the, to the group of five programs. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, like how many LCD screens do you, do you ultimately yeah. can you have in the locker room? So, you know, those stuff aren't, aren't necessarily like, like mandatory to have, to be able to be a successful program. So, is it is it is it just about just sort of make you know it's becoming that much easier for Power Five to dominate over Group of Five, or are we talking about actually like long term sustainability of you know the, those smaller division programs? Yeah, they'll they're already those smaller programs are already heavily subsidized by student fees and state appropriate state subsidies, 
And that's not going to end because in those places, that's, you know, that's very attractive, uh, not only in the Sun Belt, which is in the south, but but in the MAC, where uh, every one of those teams has, you know, the students pay a uh, somewhat of a fee in their tuition uh, check or, or tuition every year to support the football team. And the football team then brings in enough money to support all the other teams. So, yeah, they don't they don't have the ten thousand dollar lockers, but they do. Bring, they, there is a certain, I guess, identity with having big time football on your campus that might not show in the stands every year. Um, but the, but there is something to that for an identity of a school. And I should say this: they are getting more money. I I, I think the oh I think the number in the Sun Belt was I think in the BCS era they got a million per year. And now I think in the playoff era, I think they do get like $10 million per year divided by whatever, 12 schools or what, how many schools they have, 11 schools this year. So it is more, but it's not proportional. You've, uh, you, you, you could say that picking Florida State as the national champion is a bold prediction. Again, Dennis Dodd's uh, playoff, Florida State, Alabama, Ohio State, USC with the Knowles winning it all. But Dennis... Did you feel nervous about your bold prediction that South Florida would go thirteen and zero when you saw them down sixteen to oh, nothing yeah. at San Jose <laughs> State over the weekend? I know you listen. When we were in Tampa for the championship game, uh, I, I believe that was you got in. You got to link up with Charlie Strong around then. Yeah, and you're you're all in. You're you're a believer in the Bulls. I I we have. I will admit, Barton and I have been a little bit. Uh, pump the brakes on this for a couple of reasons, but I want to hear what do you feel confident about uh, that makes you think that this team's ready to run the gauntlet in the American Athletic Gladiators Conference yeah. and be able to go undefeated? The best group of five conference. I, he, Charlie Strong was left a gold mine. Uh, you know, the coach wasn't fired there. He left for Oregon, and they were 11 and two last year. And he's got a he's got a really really good quarterback who's going to be better. Now they did lose their best running back, but I think they're going to be okay there. I think they've got the best talent in you know in the in the American. Now you know whether they follow through in that thirteen and zero, they will be done no favors. I'll tell you this by uh, by the committee. And I go back to two thousand fourteen. Remember Marshall got off to that? They were undefeated. I think into November. I think that's right. They never got higher Maybe. than 15 or something. Yeah. Like that. Oh, it was in, I, I go, okay, so this is what this is going to be about. You know, they're not that, that talking about a dividing line, uh, between the haves and the have nots. What the committee was saying is what Marshall is doing. It doesn't even resemble the kind of football you see at a higher level. And I, I was resentful of that at the time. Uh, and I, I think the South Florida will, will be treated that way a little bit this year because of their schedule. Which includes Stony Brook, uh, Illinois. If, if they go thirteen and zero, and we're having some sort of discussion about a playoff or a New Year's Six bowl, the committee is going to have a hard time rewarding them for their best win being over a Power Five team, Illinois. Uh, so that's just not going to happen. But I do think they have the talent to go to go thirteen and zero and go to that go to that Golden Ticket Bowl. They also have UMass on the schedule, who may be the worst team right. in college football. <laughs> Right. I, I, I'm curious too. Like this could cut both ways for Charlie Strong because he, you know, obviously things ended uh, a little awkwardly at Texas. Um, he's he's now inherited a roster that did go 11 and two, and yet it is a roster that has some you know defensive issues that need to be shored up. And and they like what if they go nine and three this year? Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? if, if and, they and, and the flip not, yeah. side of that too, I, the flip side of that, like I, I'm curious what you think Charlie Strong looks like at nine and three, and then the flip side is if they do go thirteen and zero, is Charlie Strong then coaching somewhere else next year? Like, what, oh yeah, he's, this could he's go. one and done. Yeah, he's one. He may be one and done at nine and three because, but if he goes thirteen and zero, that'll be he'll bounce and there'll be some job available to him to get back into the Power Five. And th- um, and I think you know that's probably why he took the job instead of uh, instead of sitting out. He saw that possibility. Yeah, at nine and three, you know, look, there's going to be somebody we're not talking about that that goes better than nine and three and is a higher ranked conference champion. You know, Boise's out there. Um, San Diego State is a two time champ. 
in the Mountain West. Uh, you know, I think this is an off year for Navy, but Navy could get hot in uh, in the American. And that's really the two conferences you're talking about to claim that spot. But you know, right now South Florida's best positioned. And again, don't forget they have to win the conference. Whoever gets that spot has to win the conference. So if they go, if they go twelve and zero and lose the championship game to an eight and four team from the other division, they can't go. Yeah, they're out. So do you, do you think that Charlie Strong at 13-0 and 0 wants to get out? Because isn't there – to me it would make sense. Like he had success at Louisville. Yeah. Maybe, he's, maybe he's sort of realizing that a smaller market type of uh, program might fit him better. He's got ties in the state of Florida. Doesn't in some ways South Florida like really fit him for the, for the long run? Or do you think he's itchy to, to get another big-time opportunity? I think he wants to chase championships at the high, highest level. Um, yeah. when, when Look, what we're talking about, when it's going to take, uh, you know, in, in the case of South Florida this year, when it might take a 13-0 season to get to, you know, what? What are we talking about? The Cotton Bowl or something, you know? Yeah. Probably not, probably not going to be the Cotton Bowl because they had the game last year, but to get to that, to get to a major bowl, he's sitting there going, really? You know, you might as well go to A&M or UCLA or I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing out examples that might be yeah. open. Uh, and, and he's going to have some juice if uh, yeah, he's defensive coach and things kind of fell apart at Texas. But if he goes 13-0 and with a hot quarterback, he's going to have some juice where, you know, the, an AD is, is going to overlook that he's a defensive guy and a very good defensive guy. And, uh, and hire him in this age of offense. Who's he going to – let's see. Ole Miss coach Charlie Strong? UCLA coach yeah, Charlie I, Strong? No, that's – look, that that whole thing, that's going to be defined by the penalties. They're yeah. going to have money to pay the next guy, but if it's as bad as I've kind of predicted it's going to be, you know, they, they may have to hire a, a, a bridge coach like a Les Miles or somebody else just to get them through it because you're not going to get a top coach, even at Ole Miss – uh, to take that because they can't offer a six-year contract because the state only allows four-year deals for state employees, which I think is a huge deal for anybody they're going to hire next. So no, I you know I don't I don't know if he takes that. Well, Ole Miss just had to pay uh, their a defensive coordinator that's never called plays uh, a million plus and right. <laughs> to, to, to right. get him to come and they and they had to go one double A to the further offensive coordinator. So. It's uh yeah, it's a tricky situation there as far as hiring right now. Yeah. Oh, that's that's bears watching, obviously. Uh all right, Dennis, before we get you out of here, one bold upset pick. Where are you looking around? Where are you thinking that we're gonna be stunned uh either in this first weekend or even I'll extend it to the second weekend? Like is is there one spot where you're looking and thinking that's gonna be every year we get one. Where do you think it'll be this year? I just I just had that um, in my notes this week. I did five upsets that could occur. So um, I think one of them. Look, this isn't an upset, but Florida State. But they are. It's now seven guys. It's a yeah, touchdown that's... game. <laughs> I thought that's a that's a big number for me. So, but I don't think anybody would be shocked. Um, Florida State. Temple, the Florida State. Yeah. Pe- like we had uh, Florida State's twenty four seven right on here. Brendan Sinone, and he didn't sound uh, super confident. It surprised me. I think that, really? yeah, yeah, he was. I think he's a bit real nervous about the way the offensive line is going to fare uh, against Alabama. The money's pretty wow. heavy on Bama right now, too. I think so. I, that that counts. If you pick, if you you know, yeah. Florida State upset that that's that's that counts. I know it's one versus three, but seven points is a lot of points. That's a lot of money. Uh, t- okay, real quick, Temple over Notre Dame. Uh, yes. Apparently, Notre Dame is a nineteen-point favorite over the the defending American champions, and I know they've lost a lot, but good lord, that line skyrocketed. Yeah, Tulsa over Oklahoma State rivals. It's going to be high scoring, and Tulsa has the bullets. Believe me. Uh, and then uh, one, a lot of people are watching Wyoming with Josh Allen over Iowa. Don't forget, Iowa lost at home to North Dakota State last year, uh, and believe it or not, Iowa is two and three. And it's last five home games. And they are well aware. Josh Allen is, is the real deal, by the way. And then not so much, but Colorado State over Colorado. Colorado's favored. Uh, this is a back-and-forth rivalry, but Colorado did, you know, did have a 10-win or 9-win season last year and have a lot of, stuff, a lot of guys left from that game. So we'll see. You and can- they did. And they did, boy, uh, one of the more impressive wins of Week Zero over Oregon State, Colorado State. 
You can follow the Dodd Father on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. Dennis, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. All right. Look forward to it this year, guys. Thanks. Our thanks once again to Dennis Dodd. Be sure you follow him. He will be in the house. Um, Barton, I, I think I think we learned a lot today. I think that we've uh, we got to get our got to get the taste of making some picks, doing some game breakdowns. Game breakdown. Um, it's it's here, man. My blue plate special five star locks are coming tomorrow. Yeah. This is this is just the teaser episode, and uh, and and I will be heavily researching staking my reputation on uh, on my picks moving forward so um I'm, I'm i'm living and dying every every point every cover this fall blue plate special five star master lock lock it up <laughs> it's coming to you next make sure you follow barton simmons on twitter at barton simmons you can follow me at chip underscore patterson uh subscribe to the 24 7 sports college football podcast because subscribers get the episodes first barton thank you very much you yeah.